Welcome to Felony Friday, a presentation of the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, John Odermatt. Felons, friends, and freedom lovers, thank you for joining me once again for another episode of Felony Friday on the Lions of Liberty podcast. For our first-time listeners, this show really has two missions. First mission would be we're striving to expose injustice in the broken criminal justice system. And our second mission is to interview successful individuals who have experienced the broken criminal justice system firsthand and have come out on the other side to find success. Today, we have a guest who will be sharing his story about the latter. Now, before I introduce my guest, I just want to let you all know where you can find the show notes for today's show so you can check out everything that we talk about and I'll link to anything that we need to link to. You can find that at lionsofliberty.com slash FF18. My guest today is John Thomas. John is a successful entrepreneur, but his path to success has been anything but ordinary. Today, I'll ask John about the mistakes that he made that led him to serving three separate stints in prison. Then we'll talk about how he broke from that cycle of recidivism to turn his life around, and finally, how he found success as an entrepreneur. I first heard of John when he was interviewed on the Earning Freedom podcast with host Michael Santos, who has been a previous guest on this show, and his story of entrepreneurship really inspired me, and I think that the Felony Friday audience will find it inspiring too. John, welcome to Felony Friday. Thanks for having me, John. It's great to have you here. And I think, you know, the first thing that I like to do when I interview someone is really, you know, talk about their background a little bit and find out, you know, what they're all about. Yeah. If I can ask you first, where'd you grow up? Where were you raised? In Albany, Georgia. Albany, Georgia. Generally, what was your childhood experience like? With large family or? No, uh, actually, it's me and my two brothers. And we live between my mom and grandparents. So, uh, My mom usually stayed around the corner from my grandparents. So in the earlier years, we spent more time with my grandparents, probably until I got about six or seven. Then I think we finally moved in full time with my mom. Okay. Okay. What what were the schools like in Albany? Average schools, you know, uh, the education here is now, uh, knowing what I know, I don't think it's uh, depriving. I think it's just a lot of lack of exposure. For instance, I really never heard that I could become someone great or things of that nature until actually adulthood. So there was never that push of pursuing a dream or becoming the best version of yourself. I have no memories of that as a child growing up. Yeah, you're definitely not alone in that. I know my school and experience. Yeah, I loved my you know high school and all that stuff. But I think this is throughout America. It's really uh, schooling has become really teaching obedience and not really teaching personal responsibility and how you can really achieve your dreams and find your best self, like you were saying. So I think you're definitely not alone in that. So uh, let's talk through, you know, you're raised in Albany, Georgia. How did you first uh, find yourself in trouble with the law and find yourself going to jail? Actually, I can actually remember, you know, realizing that I was considered to be poor, you know, going to school, seeing other kids who Family had jobs and they wore better clothes and they stayed in different neighborhoods. And, you know, they had cars back then. Uh, I think I was actually the first person in my family to get a car. So we did a lot of walking and riding the city buses and bombing rides. So those things, you know, as a young person led me to, you know, want a release 
or find a way how I could make it different for me and my family. Because I always wonder, you know, why one family had this and the other family didn't. And as I began to get older, my father, he was not all in my life. He wasn't just vacant, but uh, he was doing his own thing at that time, which, you know, a lot of my activities were influenced by his choices because he definitely had a stint with crime and drug dealing and my uncles. So once I saw that they had money and other younger guys and people in my neighborhood had money, I felt like, you know, definitely getting in the drug trade would be my way of helping my family to escape these conditions. You got involved in the drug trade. What particular drugs were you selling? I was trafficking cocaine. Those are my charges. But I have sold marijuana, things of that nature. And uh, I got into it probably around the age of 13, 14. And I ended up going to juvenile and doing about 14 months in a juvenile delinquent center. I don't want to say I really didn't learn anything because now some of the lessons uh, I learned then I apply now in my life. But I didn't really take it serious. I was young. I think I was still impacted by what I'd been able to accumulate, you know, materialistics in in the streets. And uh, it kind of overshadowed even having a desire to change. So I got out and basically got back into doing the same thing again. However, at the age of 19, I was sentenced to 30 years, served 20 years in Georgia State Prison System. So you're, you're sentenced to 20 years in prison. How much of that time did you end up serving? Or you said 30 years. Sorry. Yeah, 30 served 20. I actually did nine years in one month on my first stand in prison. So what was that experience like for you in prison? You know, I, I got in and once I got in, you began to see people you knew, some of the people you knew, but you were surrounded by a lot of different people. And, you know, you just learn to adapt. Uh, but I don't want to say it wasn't too much different from the street, but the mentalities were still the same. You still, I got in and, you know, I quickly connected and found people who were into smuggling drugs into the prison or anything that could create a black market where money could be generated. You know, that was my focus. So I kind of did my time from prison to prison, finding ways to try to make a dollar. So drugs were smuggled into the prison. What drugs? What types of drugs? I've seen it all, you know, basically. uh, Marijuana was mostly because, you know, I guess it was the ease of the mind, but, you know, you had alcohol sometimes. And even in my later stints, you even had crack come in. I've seen meth in, methamphetamines in. So it really wasn't a limit on what it was, but the majority drug was marijuana. That kind of surprises me to hear a majority being marijuana because you would think, obviously, you know, you're going to smoke marijuana. That'd be something that would smell. You would think the guards would, were the guards, did they just turn a blind eye to it? Not really. You know, you had, you knew the count times and Officers are not just sitting in the, I guess you're called the living arrangement. They're kind of like outside. So, you know, you pick your time and then you go outside to play sports and walk around. So you, you kind of learn how to maneuver through the system. Okay. So you got out your, your first time out of prison. Once you were released, what was that like when you had some of your freedom back? Were you able to find a job or what, what happened after you were? I found a job through my brother. I found a job fairly quickly, but it was through a connection. It wasn't like uh, just filling out an application, but I didn't really take it serious. You know, I got a job. I worked for a little while and it was like, you know, I still had the mentality that 
at that time, I had the mentality that life owed me something. Like uh, the system owed me. I still wanted to, you know, really do what I wanted to do. And I still felt like I had something to prove. I was still in the discovery process of who I really was. And then how did you get uh, arrested again? And what were your charges convicted the, the second time? Uh, I actually, I only stayed out about three months, 88 days. And um, I was arrested again for possession of marijuana and possession of ecstasy pills. So I was arrested and uh, I think I stayed in the county jail about five months, went back to prison. And that's where I began to really realize that even though I only stayed out a short period of time, I think that was enough for me to start realizing that there was life beyond those walls. Was that a turning point in your life or was there, I guess, a I phrase the question this way. Was there a point while you were in prison that you can pinpoint as a turning point where really your life changed and you realized, you know what, there's more that I'm capable of than sitting in a prison? I think it's just it was a collection of moments. One time I did six months straight in isolation confinement, you know, in a room, 23 hours a day, locked down by myself. So during those times, I think I, I know I had a lot of time to reflect on it. And this question would always come to my mind, you know, is this all that life had to offer? And uh, finally, I was able to answer that question with, you know, no. I began to read books and think different, but it just it didn't take an instant impact. You know, I began to do some things better, but it was not like I just reached that point at that time where I said, OK, now or never. I still I would go through moments where I want to do better. At that time, I wasn't exposed to a lot of ways to do better besides, you know, basically get a job. And that was it. Can you remember any particular books that really had an impact on you? Uh, I remember reading a Napoleon Hill book, Keys to Success. That was one. I remember listening to a Les Brown training in a class they had. I'll never forget when he said, if you look up, you can get up. So it was small moments. And even some officers just you know, take it on to you like a son or something, just showing those caring moments beyond, even though you're incarcerated, I think just having one or two officers to say, hey, man, you know, get yourself together, to show more concern than just an officer to inmate. So you're in prison three separate times total. At what age again did you first go into prison during that first 19. sentence? 19. And then you get out of prison that last time. How old are you? Probably 35. 15 years or 15 years plus in prison. That's a really long time. Yeah. So once you're out of prison, did you find a job right away? Or what did you do once you had your freedom back at that point after the three stints? Oh, I actually got on at a used car dealership. I had a friend. He had uh, started a business and he was doing selling uh, used cars. So I began to sell for him. And actually, that's kind of where it started from. I found, you know, I was good at it. I made some money at it. And, uh, we stayed in business a couple of years, and then I just kind of started trying some things on my own. And i never forget I was introduced to the network marketing industry. Can you explain network marketing to someone that might not know what it is? You have a couple of different titles, network marketing, direct sales, uh, multi-level marketing. But at the time, it's just a company that allows you to basically, they have products, and you sell the products as well as it allows you an opportunity to build a team of people that allows you to sell products and you earn a commission off your sales as well as the people you bring into the company. 
Okay, and so this was your your selling cars, and you're introduced to network marketing. Along the way, did you find a, a mentor in, was in the network marketing or somewhere else that helped guide you down this entrepreneurial path? Yeah, it was it was definitely in the network marketing. I met a couple of mentors. I began to read books and be introduced to different books. Watched a lot of YouTube trainings of different people, you know, like Jim Rohn, Zig Ziglar, Brian Tracy, Les Brown. And I actually bought a training from Tony Robbins. So it was a lot of distant mentors as well as I had some within the company who kind of helped to shape me to understand, you know, business, to help me understand entrepreneurship, to help me to understand how to become a better person more than anything. That's awesome. That is awesome. So you've seen the progress you've made, and, and we'll get into talking about the you know your actual entrepreneurial ventures in a minute here. But before we move on, I, I just want to touch on one thing. So obviously, there's a lot of people who've been locked up in this country with, with the drug war, who've just you know just like you, spending 15 plus years in prison or more time, or even if somebody's spending three to five years in prison, they get that felon label on them, and they feel like it's ruined their life. It's going to follow them everywhere, and to some extent, it does. But entrepreneurship is definitely a way to overcome that because at that point, you're not relying on someone for a job. You're creating your own income. So if you were going to give, uh, just give a, a little bit of advice to someone maybe coming out of jail or maybe someone who's, who's about to go into prison, a little bit of hope, how would you advise them to go from transitioning once they get out of prison to starting to become an entrepreneur? Yes, there are definitely some steps. One of the steps is your environment. You know, I know it's it's smaller now because you can find, you know, to an area, but you got to find people who have a desire to do something different. And that's where a lot of people get caught up because you get in. And, and like I say, it's a lot that goes on in society that goes on behind the wall. So, of course, you're going to be introduced. And what usually happens, somebody come up to you, find out where you're from. They usually, OK, you know, if somebody from your town there, they usually introduce or maybe y'all know each other. And whatever they have going on, usually you fall into that trap. So what I would say is you have to start from day one to begin the planning what it is you want to become when you get out. So, you know, and looking forward into entrepreneurship, I would get some books. I definitely um, there's a lot of free information. So I would, if I had to have someone to send it in or however, I definitely have to get me some information and begin to plan. I think planning is so overlooked in the process. Absolutely. Great advice. Just to dig a little bit deeper, you talked about you know finding people, surrounding yourself with people, finding mentors. You talked about that. Is it difficult to break away from maybe some people that you were associated with before that took you down that, took you on that path um, selling drugs? Is it hard to break away from that or separate yourself from that? It is. It, it is. Uh, I can remember you know my last months of last days, and there was this one guy, man, I felt like he was a brother. And, you know, he still does what he does. And I'm like, man, you know, but if I leave, what will happen to him? And uh, one of my mentors always used to talk about the song the Ghetto Boys had back in the days, your mind playing tricks on you. So your mind has a way that it's going to feed you all this stuff you've been through trying to keep you, you know, tied into who you used to be. But once you begin to identify who you want to become, now you begin to find people who fit that same criteria. So, of course, it's hard, but it's not impossible. You know, once you make up your mind, I've heard 100 percent of the people who make up their mind to do something, do it. And 
I agree with that. Once I made up my mind, I'm going in. So I think you just have to make up your mind to go ahead and, you know, this is what you want to do. That's awesome. So let's just talk about the the timeline here a little bit. So you're about 35 when you get out the last time. How old are you today? Uh, 40. So so you're 40. Let's, let's talk about some of your entrepreneurial ventures. You're involved in uh, some online sales, some online coaching. Correct. How did you get started in that, first of all? It kind of stemmed from network marketing uh, with some of my struggles. You know, uh, when it comes to recruiting, it's not just the easiest thing, especially if you don't have training, the proper training in it. I was researching and I ran across a guy who was like, hey, you know, I've been there, but I've been able to put together a system that actually eases the recruiting process, meaning um, basically creating content that attracts people to you. Say, for instance, if you're a trainer, by creating content or sharing valuable information that helps people to lose weight, maybe stay in shape or eat better, just creating content around things that people desire to become or desire to have in their life. And I began to attract people who had those desires. And I began, I, you know, I definitely was able to help some people. And uh, some people joined me in different businesses and uh, definitely been able to create some awesome relationships. How did you learn how to monetize that? Because I know firsthand that's not an easy thing to do. I mean, creating the content itself, creating videos or blogs or or podcasts or or any sort of content on the Internet. I mean, that takes some dedication and work. But then taking that next step and being able to monetize that, that's huge. So can you just speak to that a little bit? Well, from what I've seen with most people who do, they never get to the point where they really ask for the sale. Me coming from sales or now I use sale pages, but at that time I usually have a phone number or I have an autoresponder, which is an email sequence where I'm able to collect information and either I reach out one-on-one call to offer my services to see if they're interested in some one-on-one coaching. Or now with the um, sale pages, a lot of the sales are done you know, strictly through the automation process. Okay. So can you talk a little bit, just to dig a little bit deeper Maybe your first online sales experience. Do you remember the first person that you got to sign up for some coaching? Yes, I will actually. Um, I created a a seven day video series called "The Blueprint to Profit: How to Become Profitable in Your Network Marketing in the First Thirty Days or Less." Because I was able to, you know, create profits in my company in the first thirty days, and I think a lot had to do with my sales experience. So I created seven videos, seven probably three minute videos, and that the end of each video, I had connected with another marketer who had a online membership where he was offering, you know, Facebook training, recruiting training, sales training. And I actually affiliated with him because at the time I didn't have an actual product. So when people got my free video series, they actually were exposed to this community of entrepreneurs who were a part of this training series. So and I'll never forget, like you say, just realizing this for real. And actually, we had a, a front end sale where we gave you seven days for, I think, nine dollars. So once I first saw the nine dollars hit my PayPal account, I'm like, this is for real. It's a great feeling to see something that you've put so much hard work into to actually produce something. I agree. Um, there's, there's nothing like it. It is. So what other entrepreneurial ventures are you involved in? I think I remember from the Michael Santos interview that you had some e-commerce stuff going on. Correct. Uh, Right now, eBay, Amazon. And I think this is the next wave of 
you know, especially for a lot of people who don't like sales and, you know, wanting to generate income on the Internet, just being able to, you know, private label products or being able to drop ship products. It definitely eased the gap for me, you know, as far as building the funnels and creating all this content. Now it's basically connecting a product to a buyer. Where did you learn how to, like you were just talking about on Facebook and, and building funnels, where did you learn how to do that? A lot of that was self-taught, you know, YouTube videos. I helped purchase a lot of training also. You know, it's a lot of guys who, and all training wasn't worth my money. Of course, you're going to get some bad, but for the majority, getting to know people, investing in myself, some trainings. I've invested in seminars. I've been to some live workshop where people, you know, definitely sit down and show you how to build it right there. So, uh, Definitely just putting the time in to learn. Okay, John, just to wrap up here, are you present on social media? Do you have any blogs, anything that you want to advertise to the Felony Friday audience where they can reach out and contact you? Well, right now on Facebook, you can reach out to me at John Thomas Life Coach. That's mainly, you know, something I use a lot. Actually, I'm in the process of, I kind of let that be my central hub so I can see if, you know, we even a fit to kind of get to know each other or work with each other. Also, you can email me if you know if you would like me to share my story on anything you do or if you see it's a fit where any way I could help out. My email is John, the number 93760 at gmail.com. I'll link to your Facebook page and to your email in the show notes. So anyone that wants to contact John can just go to the show notes page, lionsofliberty.com slash FF18. And uh, check that out right there. John, I really want to thank you for spending some time with the Felony Friday audience, for coming on the show and sharing your full story, sharing your struggles, 15 plus years in prison, and then sharing the next chapter of your life, your adventures in entrepreneurship, and really just laying it out there. You know, there's no excuses for people. There's no excuses for felons to say that their felony is an excuse where they can't find success. I agree. So thank you for everything you're doing, John. All right, no problem. Thanks for having me again. All right, have a great day. Same to you. Well, that's a wrap for the show today, guys. Thank you all for listening. And remember, if you like the show, please share it. You can share it on Facebook or Twitter or even send it over email. I don't care. And if you really like the show, one of the best ways you can help us is by subscribing to the show on iTunes or on Stitcher. And you can find a link to subscribe on our show notes page. So please do that. And while you're there, please give us a five-star rating. If you like the show, that could really help us out. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And you can also join our private Facebook group, the Lions of Liberty Forum. Simply search Lions of Liberty Forum in the Facebook search bar. The group will pop right up and we'll get you approved immediately, if not sooner. And be sure to check out the Felony Friday archive at lionsofliberty.com slash felonyfriday. It'll have all the past podcasts. And before this was a podcast, it was a weekly column I've written for almost three years. So please check it out. As always, guys, thank you for listening today. This is John Odermatt signing off. Always remember to keep your head up and the fires of liberty burning. <laughs>